You can explode a wine glass by singing, but is there a note that can kill? How do I know that yellow to me is the same as yellow to you? What if it's green? Answers to these questions and more on this episode of This Paranormal Life! Hello! Hey! And welcome back to This Paranormal Life. This is the weekly comedy podcast where every Tuesday, two paranormal investigators sit down and confront a grisly paranormal case and decide by the end whether it's true or not. Uh, I'm Kit Greer Malvena. Across from me sits Rory Powers. I am so happy to be here. Welcome everyone to the podcast. My my favorite thing to do in life, you know? And that's coming from a guy who's got two ex-wives and 17 children. I would rather be here than spend time with any of them. That's actually somehow believable if there's 17 of the little buggers. Uh, can I ask, uh, where are 17 of them? I don't guess I don't need individual information, but just in general as a vibe. Judge says I'm not allowed to know. Judge says it's better for them if I don't know where they are. Okay. Wow, that's sorry. I just wasn't expecting such a dark answer, but that's, <laughs> that's actually pretty cool. Now you can see why this is the place I want to be most on earth. <laughs> So pass me a beer, brother, and let's forget our past mistakes. But no, uh, Rory's private life, uh, thankfully, is not the subject uh, of today or any episodes. It's true. Despite how often it does come up on the show. Not that often. Not not as much as it should, frankly. Because it's kind of an ongoing thing that it affects my mood as we podcast. So it's like if any if anyone's wondering why one episode I'm just a little sour, I'm just a little mm-hmm. bit down... Uh, it's because alimony's coming in. It's because child support's coming out. Um, <laughs> I guess because I'm getting fleeced by my family. I guess when you're not allowed to have legal communication with them, the only communication is cash. That is the legal bit. You know how they say keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. What if your family are your enemies? <laughs> Jesus Christ! Do you keep them near or far? Because they feel far emotionally, but close financially, in the sense that they're taking my money. I need money, kid, is what, <laughs> that's what I'm trying to tell you, bud. Don't have 17 kids. You, ha- you can't possibly have accidentally have had 17 kids across only two marriages. I mean, that's an average of whatever it is, 8.5 children per marriage. That's astonishing All for right, 31 In my year old. defense, I was very horny, okay? <laughs> it's barely a defense. Barely. Like, let's just do the episode, Matt. I feel like I don't want to get, I don't want to, f*** you. F*** you, life. Leave me alone. <laughs> that was almost that was, Roy just broke character for a second somehow <laughs> completely on brand uh, I think it's uh, I think we just dive into today's episode because we're here to talk about the paranormal bud this is the shit I love in life the paranormal can't leave you that is what we have in common Roy it's all we have left uh, we do have a absolutely giant case to get into today. This is one for the history books, I promise you. Uh, We're going to get right into it, but first, some words from today's sponsors. All right, Rory, let's take it all the way back to 1862. We're in Borley, Essex. Ooh, 1862. We're going back in time. Back in time, of course. Now, we always, despite having a completely non-existent grasp of history, we always like to paint uh, a little historical picture for our listeners to give them a flavor. So really it falls into the camps of, was it pirate times, war times, or uh, knights and shining armor times? Yeah. Uh, weirdly enough, our frame of references when it comes to time is based around what kind of weapons they were using. <laughs> 
honestly not a bad uh, barometer. Yeah, I mean, that's why we so often visit the website guntimeline.com, which is a website that just tells you when people started using guns. Now, I'm assuming 1860s, this was gun times. This was. This was Victorian-era musket-type shit. Right. Sexy little pistols strapped to your thigh. Okay, I see what you're saying. A kind of film noir style. Mm. A time when even lollipop ladies were packing heat. You had to. It was dangerous out there. Didn't thank the postman for the letters he dropped off that morning? You're getting blasted. You're getting blasted. Thankfully, uh, getting blasted back then was uh, less deadly due to the reduced efficacy of said weapons. It was more of a Looney Tune style effect where you would have black coals <laughs> just blasted all over your face. Yeah, your hair was like shot backwards, <laughs> yeah. smoke coming out of your ears. As they say, we're in Borley, Essex, where construction on a beautiful new house was about to be completed. Now, I say house, this was technically a rectory. That means it was built to house the church rector. Oh, okay. I have to explain that further because I didn't know what that was. This is someone who kind of works in the church as like an administrative type person. Okay. Uh, I, all right, that's not what I thought it was at all. Uh, what did you think it was? To be honest, I'm surprised that a penis is not involved right, in the so erectory. I just wanted to tease that out. <laughs> I could see your eyes darting around as soon as I mentioned rectory for the first time. Where a gentleman would go, the erectory, if they were having... <laughs> the directory. I thought they shut that place down. <laughs> <laughs> the old directory had burned down in 1841, and its replacement was a strange and imposing building. It had pointed rooftops and a little courtyard within the property. It didn't have the rustic country look like the previous one had, but still, the land kept its old legends. Hmm. And it was a long list of legends. Monks have been living in this town in a monastery as far back as 1360. Sheesh. And let me tell you, if those monks are celibate, it's definitely an erectory. <laughs> no one said it was an erectory. It's a rectory. It's, okay. it's actually the opposite. And if you get an erection, <laughs> you're it, out. There's problems. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of the definition of church. <laughs> no, it is. Welcome to church. If you get a boner, we have a problem. <laughs> Leave. It's like, if you arrive with one, that's one thing. But if you get one while you're here, we got problems. We are getting very sidetracked. Unfortunately, what we're discussing is extremely relevant to what's about to happen. Uh-oh. Locals tell of a story of a monk that began a secret affair with a nun from a nearby convent. Love this. But oh, wait, affair? Like, a good affair or a bad one? Like, a cheating affair or like just a love affair? <laughs> cheating against the Lord with an earthly got woman. It. Got it, got it, got it, okay. Needless to say, rule one of Christianity is monks and nuns can't bang. There's a, <laughs> that's a sorry, that's rule two after if you get an erection, we got a problem. Yeah, these are some of the commandments that they didn't talk about much in the book, but they're there, they're there. Uh, there is a reason monks and nuns are kept separate. It wasn't long until the illicit affair was discovered and word of this crime spread throughout the monastery. Once their superiors found out, their superiors in the church, not God, the lovers were punished brutally. Ooh. The young monk was sentenced to a quick death. Oh, shit. Reports vary from he was hung to he had his head chopped off. 
Uh, but hundreds of years later, it doesn't really matter. He's dead. The nun, on the other hand, wasn't afforded the luxury of an instant death. Instead, she was buried alive. Uh, Shut up. Bricked up behind a wall in the convent and left there to suffocate and die. A church enforced these rules? This doesn't sound very holy. (laughs) Which, by the way, Christianity is supposed to be a religion of forgiveness. What was all that stuff about, like, uh, he who is without sin cast the first stone? Yeah. Love thy neighbor. Actually, that could be kind of sexy. Um, uh, turn the other cheek. That could also be kind of sexy. That's not a think sexy about it. one. Yeah. Uh, but generally speaking, Jesus uh, preached a, a, a life of forgiveness. Yeah. What is the other famous one? Before you talk shit about the splinter in your friend's eye, take the goddamn log out of your own. There's no way. That's it's not something a- like that. I'm not gonna look it up. Well, maybe I will now. The you log in your eye. I'm telling you. I was a Bible boy. Uh, In the King James Version of the Bible, the text reads, Thou hypocrite! First cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Wow, unfortunately you were quite close. Yeah. You know, there's a little uh, translation issues there, but pretty close. I mean, hypocrite sums it up. Yeah, but I get it. Look, as I said, we don't know a lot about history, but I do gather that this is how Christianity rocked it for quite a long time across the entire world. Now, we don't know exactly when all that happened, but what we do know is that in 1863, the year after the new rectory was finally complete, the sightings began. Uh Uh-oh. Now, this rectory doubled up as a kind of afternoon hangout for schoolchildren. It had big grounds with beautiful gardens and parents would bring their kids there to kind of blow off some steam. Almost like better do it there than in the house. I see, kind of like a Sunday school vibe. 100%. But on one fateful afternoon, a group of kids ran into a world of trouble. They were playing in the house, working their way up the corridor, darting from room to room. They weren't looking for anything in particular, just messing about. When they came to the drawing room in the east wing, they flung open the door and raced inside. The rector could hear them, and it sounded like they were having the time of their lives. But the laughter faded abruptly when they entered the room. The energy inside seemed dark and unsettled. The children wanted to leave, but they felt frozen in place. It soon became clear that they weren't alone in the dark room. Uh oh. There was an old closet door at the far end, and a figure was prowling around outside of it. Look over there! There's someone in the corner! Blimey! Sure enough, there was a dark shape moving at the edge of the room. The children gasped and huddled together in fear. It looked to be an old woman dressed in long, flowing black robes. Uh-oh, nun robes? Does it matter? Does it matter? Black robes? I guess not. You're either a Sith Lord or a nun. <laughs> at this point, you're begging for it to be a nun. The figure started floating towards them, slowly out of the shadows. In the light, they could see it was a nun. Oh boy, that's what we didn't want. Her face was old and wizened, her body almost skeletal under her huge robes. Her eyes, sunken and glassy. (laughs) Jesus Christ, what do you do in this situation? Because usually if it's a ghost or a demon, you would try and dunk them with holy water. 
that's her f***ing Red Bull. She's a nun? <laughs> You're gonna power her up like Super Mario. What do you do? I oh, didn't even then, think of that. Then uh, try and uh, scare her away with some devil shit? She loves that. She's a ghost. She's playing both sides. She's an inside agent. This is OP. If this wasn't bad enough, her feet weren't even touching the floor. She didn't even have feet. When the kids realized she was floating, they screamed and ran out of the room as fast as they could. Whoa, whoa, what's all this commotion? You all know I need quiet to focus on my work. The children explained. <gasps> we were just walking in the clouds and we saw a she was floating. Jesus Christ, one at a time, please. You boy. Uh, we saw a ghost, a scary old nun. I didn't like her. The rector chuckled and shook his head. Come now, the scripture teaches us that he who goeth down to the grave does not come up. He shall never returneth to his house, nor shall this realm know his spirit any longer. Job 7 verse 9. There are no ghosts. Now, perhaps go and play outside. Uh, what about the Holy Spirit? Huh? Listen here, you little smart ass. <laughs> what age are you, anyway? I was held back a couple of years. My name's David. I'm 23. I've never left the erectory. Rectory, not erectory. Gee. <sighs> the children knew to do what they were told and ran off into the grounds. But the rector stood still, his eyes fixed in the doorway to the drawing room. Could it be true? The door was ajar and he couldn't help but peek in. He couldn't see anything. The kids were clearly imagining things, or maybe just telling tall tales for the fun of it. He looked away from the open door and was almost back at his desk when he heard the drawing room door slam closed. He spun around. How curious. I could go and investigate, of course, but I am reminded of Leviticus 19 verse 21. Give no regards to mediums and familiar spirits. Do not seek after them. Do not be defiled by them. <laughs> The rector went back to his office, hoping to never hear of the ghost nun again. Smart. Smart. I feel like he was being tested there. Mm. Where it's like, if he had have opened that door, he probably would have seen something pretty horrific. Kind of like uh, Ark of the Covenant style. Like when the the Nazis opened it up in Indiana Jones. Mm. It's like everyone gets their face melted, except for Indy and uh, the woman, I do not remember her name, because they, they weren't, looking they didn't peek they were like hey we're not gonna look we're not gonna tempt the evil inside of this thing uh we're gonna avert our eyes and nothing bad's gonna happen to us interesting now this does go against our general uh motto of uh live fast investigate die young yeah no stone unturned right poke about see what happens (laughs) find out yeah Ask for forgiveness, not permission. A, lo- a lot of the slogans we promote on this podcast are, are dangerous ones that, you know, legally we, we can't say that we endorse. But uh, between you and me, brother, I'd have a little peek in that door. And if I didn't see anything, I'd start provoking demons. I'd start throwing some shit around, seeing what would happen. Between you and me, brother, have a swig of that holy wine when no one's looking and go have a f**k about. <laughs> between you and me, brother? I might draw a little pentagram on the floor. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Just between you and me, brother. Between you and me, brother. You know, gotta summon something. <laughs> no, you don't. You don't. As a priest, as a rector. 
This is the rector talking to the priest. Between you and me, Father? <laughs> yeah, he said, uh, I said a little prayer to the Dark Lord. We'll see what he's up to. Sometimes, if I'm cooking a steak, I just take a little bit of blood, smear it all over my face, <laughs> just see what happens. Just between you and me, Father. Just between you and me. Well, the rector did not want to think about that ghost nun, and he didn't have to for a very long time. 37 long years passed. Wow. He, at this point, was getting on and was ready to enjoy his retirement. He was only a couple of days away. As usual, there was a band of children wandering around the property. He'd always loved listening to their happy voices, but that afternoon, instead of giggles and games, for the second time in his life, he heard terrified screams from the courtyard. <gasps> no longer able to run, the rector shuffled his way to the window in time to see children fleeing in all directions. They beelined for the main gate and only a couple of stragglers remained by the time the rector made it to the front door. <gasps> what is it? What's wrong? He limped out to meet two young girls who seemed to be spooked to say the least. We saw an old nun, but she was floating, so I think it was a ghost. Johnny ran after her and then, and then she disappeared in front of us. We got scared and decided to run home. The memories came flooding back. He knew what would calm the children down. A good old fashioned Bible verse. My dears, know ye not the scriptures? You are of God, little children, and have overcometh the spirits of earth, because the Lord is greater than he who is in the world. James 4, 7 to 8. Be not afraid. Nice. It did f**k all. The children were still very afraid. But this horror movie didn't play out like you might have been expecting. The rector wasn't murdered by a ghost one day from retirement. He was disturbed by what happened, but managed to retire in peace. And like any good movie about a haunted house, the story didn't end when one owner left and the new owners arrived. Right, of course. Seems like whatever this spirit is, this nun, it's not finished and it's not going anywhere anytime soon. I think she physically can't leave on account of being buried alive. Yeah. The next residents of the rectory were Reverend Guy Smith and his wife, maybe, maybe Mabel. Maybe stop reading scripture. Maybe stop reading scripture every time she turns up because... It was religious people who killed her. What did I say about Red Bull? <laughs> yeah, you're, you're basically powering her up with every chant. <laughs> like an anime villain, every Bible verse he reads out, she's just in the corner. Ah, ah, ah. Well, it's a fool. It's especially rude because she was a nun who was killed by other religious people. And she doesn't seem to have gone to heaven. The Lord hasn't seemed to have taken care of her very well. So if you're telling these kids, oh, you know, don't be afraid. The Bible says that, you know, when we die, if you're good, you go to heaven. No one will be left here on earth. Um, he loves you. He loves us all. He'd never <laughs> let anything bad happen to anyone. And this nun's like, so I'm standing I'm right, right here. here. I am right here and I've had a shit life. All I did was kiss a monk and they buried me. I held the door open for a monk and they broke my legs and locked me in a cupboard. <laughs> How's that fair? You've held your last door, sister. <laughs> sister, sister, you'll never know how much we don't miss ya as they throw the key away. Uh, as I say, the new residents, Reverend Guy Smith and his wife Mabel, this ownership is when the first instances of a modern haunting started. Shortly after moving in, Mabel was doing a spot of cleaning while Reverend Guy was working in his office. She'd already cleaned most of the ground floor until it was sparkling. So she quickly set to work. 
she decided to start in the back of the room. Maybe she'd go through the old closet, see if there was anything interesting inside. Mm, be careful. Mabel's eyes widened in shock as she noticed a skull tucked at the back of one of the wardrobe shelves. What? She screamed for her husband, who in turn called the authorities to remove the human remains from the house. There are literally skeletons in the closet. (laughs) Bad start. There is no way that the old rector didn't find that one day and was like, holy! (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Gonna forget that ever happened. Locked it up. Yeah. Don't worry, children. There's nothing ah, in the closet. Close that up. Lock it. And I'm going to eat the key. Yum, yum, yum. There is no way he lived there for, for 37 years and didn't see that skull. Bad start to moving in somewhere. A skull. Finding skulls here. Yeah, it's not great, is it? They were able to deduce that the skull belonged to a young woman who'd passed away perhaps a hundred years ago or more. All Mabel gave a shit about was getting it out of her sight. But while the skull was gone, the evil remained. That's when all hell broke loose. A whole host of paranormal events started kicking off. Strange lights appeared. Unexplained footsteps moved about within the house. And the ghostly apparition of a horse-drawn carriage was seen trotting around the grounds. Whoa! It started kicking off. Bring the skull back. (laughs) Bring the skull back and put it back in the closet. I'm sorry, I can't move past it. Call the old rector and get him to answer to some fucking questions because this is not okay. The couple got so desperate with fear that they contacted the Daily Mirror to get the word out about what was happening. Their goal was to catch the attention of the paranormal community, specifically the Society for Psychical Research. And so the newspaper sent out a journalist to interview the reverend and his wife and he was joined by a paranormal researcher called none other than Harry Price. Hmm, okay, this is good. Getting some experts involved in the case. Because once you've opened up the Pandora's box like this, uh, it can be very hard to kind of get things back in place. So getting an investigator to figure out maybe the history of this building or the reasons behind the haunting is really the first step. It really is. You know, normally when you go to buy a house, people get in like surveyors to check that the building is structurally sound, safe and efficient. and Mold sometimes. All these kinds of things. Um, This is what we need to see more of is paranormal researchers being brought in before you buy a house to make sure the place isn't f***ing littered with demons. I don't even think you need an expert to find a skull. I think a normal person could have done that. (laughs) Just let one of the children loose in the house. (laughs) Now, Harry was actually pretty famous for the previous cases he'd investigated in the UK. Mm. He was a bit of a hotshot. He'd investigated psychics, spirit mediums, and seances in his time, and was a trustworthy name in the industry. Wait, he'd investigated psychics? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I guess if a psychic is, like, making uh, not-so claims, I guess a paranormal investigator could come in and try and uh, see what's happening. Oh, I see, okay. He's kind of doing quality control. Now, when the piece was published, it was titled, and stay with me here, Weird Night in Haunted House, Shape That Moved on the Lawn of Borley Rectory, Strange Wrappings, Articles Flying Through Air Seen by Watchers. That is a terrible headline. Rory, I'm going to let you read for the first time what this article said about investigating the rectory. Let's do this. The first remarkable happening was the dark figure I saw in the garden. We were standing in the summer house at dusk watching the lawn 
when I saw the apparition which so many claimed to have seen. Something certainly moved along the path on the other side of the lawn, and although I immediately ran across to investigate it, it had vanished when I reached the spot. Then, as we strolled towards the rectory, there came a terrific crash. A pane of glass from the roof hurtled to the ground. We ran inside and upstairs to inspect the rooms immediately over the spot, but found nobody there. A few seconds later, we were descending the stairs when something flew past my head. It hit an iron stove in the hall and shattered. Mr. Price was the only person behind me, and he could not have thrown the vase at such an angle to pass my head and hit the stove below. That does strike me as pretty mad that they found so much paranormal uh, phenomena happening just on that one investigation. Did they say a window fell out of the pane and smashed on the floor? Yeah, a pane of glass fell off the roof. Holy shit. There's quite a lot going on there. He, he said that they saw some kind of shadowy apparitions, stuff was falling off the roof, and then stuff even flying around inside. This is such a mix of things. Um, sort of poltergeist-like, but kind of dialed up to 11. Yeah, I mean, the plane of glass is really strange. But even though I have no proof, I want to go on record now and say, Mr. Price threw the vase. <laughs> he for sure did there's no way he did didn't the, the, the writer shouldn't even have mentioned it it's like a vase flew over my head there was no explanation except for mr price who was behind me and i couldn't see what he was doing beforehand but honestly he seems like a chill guy and i don't think he would have done it he did though <laughs> it definitely was him <laughs> So Rory, this investigation is ramping up hard. We've had multiple sets of people who live there experiencing several different types of paranormal phenomena. We've had skulls discovered, paranormal investigators turning up, and now the word is starting to get out. Uh, but this is far from the end of the story, which we are going to get into right after these words from today's sponsor. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Now, at this point, things were so bad that Reverend Guy and Mabel decided to call it quits and they moved out of the rectory after less than three years. Oh my gosh. Uh, a smart decision, I'm sure you agree. Unfortunately, the rectory's next residents weren't so smart. Well, I guess this is the thing because he was, you say he was a reverend? Mm -hmm. So presumably he was living in this place uh, out of the pocket of the church. You know, that's what this building is for. A lot of the times when people are living in a haunted house, they can't move. They are financially tied to this building. They can't sell at a loss. And that's why families end up suffering for many years under the wrath of a poltergeist. So, hey, at least these guys have the luxury of being like, we 
one out of here now. We're going to go bring in the next reverend. Yeah, if if the church is your landlord or if God is your landlord, <laughs> um, that's the only landlord that will accept haunted as a reason to cut your lease short. Yeah, like, I've tried that one a few times in London. It, it does not work. <laughs> and so in October 1930, it became home to Reverend Lionel Algernon Foister and his wife, Marianne. You're going to have to run that one by me one more time. <laughs> Reverend Lionel Algernon <laughs> Foister. Are you saying a wor- word? Lionel Algernon Foister. Okay, I'm not going to get it. <laughs> I feel like I'm having a stroke every time I say it. <laughs> Lionel Algernon Foister. It's a great name. I wonder what the origin is. I, I mean, I agree. Sounds like a Lord of the Rings character, Lionel of Algernon. <laughs> uh, but his wife is called Marianne and his daughter is called Adelaide. I'm going to call him Lionel from now on. I think that's a good idea. The ghostly happenings only continued, but they seemed to plague Marianne much more than the rest of the family. They stayed put for five years, all the while facing a paranormal onslaught. Lionel actually started keeping track of each incident in a book, and Marianne started adding her own. This book holds a ton of worrying paranormal claims. The Reverend was writing about bottles and stones being flung around the place, windows being broken, strange and unexplained writing appearing on the walls, and on one occasion, their daughter being locked in a room that had no key. What? And the door just wouldn't open? That's terrifying. Which kind of makes sense that the nun might be trying to get her own back on someone else. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking, you know? I'm going to lock someone else away till they die. Terrifying. And Marianne's stories were even worse. She'd made notes of several physical attacks. On one occasion, she was thrown violently from her bed. I mean, this is pretty brilliant documentation, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To You know, it's smart to start that diary as soon as the first haunting happens. And this book made its way into the hands of, you guessed it, hotshot investigator Harry Price. He couldn't wait for another trip back to the Borley Rectory. And when he set foot over the threshold for a second time, he felt the paranormal presence was even stronger. How many years have passed now? You said this new family had been here for five years? Uh, Yeah, the last people were there for three years, and that was when he came, and then these guys stayed here for five years. So anywhere in between that, that time frame. Wow. He got to work. Uh, They immediately performed two exorcisms. Uh, Both failed catastrophically. (laughs) Uh, The activity was only getting worse. And by now, the media around it had created a firestorm of interest from paranormal enthusiasts who came from all over to try and get a look. We warn people on every podcast, doing an exorcism is a lot like sneaking up on a sleeping grizzly bear with a baseball bat. (laughs) You better hope that first hit kills him, because if not, you're in a world of trouble. If you're going to do an exorcism... Bring all your guns, bring all your priests, make sure you do it, and knock it out of the park the first time. Otherwise, you've hit the bear, and now it's awake, and it's pissed. And hungry, and you look like a snack. Yeah. (laughs) You are a chicken sneaking into a wolf's den with a baseball bat. (laughs) Pardon the pun, don't cock it up. Now, I mentioned that Marianne's experiences were crazier than her husband's. I also mentioned there was writing over the walls, but I didn't tell you what the writing said. That's true. I thought that was suspicious. Well, 
they were all about Marianne. Marianne, light mass prayers. Marianne, please get help. Marianne, I cannot understand, tell me more. Others were written so chaotically that we can't work out what they say. Rory, I actually have photos of these messages written on the walls for you to take a look at. Yes, please. I want to see this handwriting. This must be an awful situation for Marianne, because why is she getting picked on? I don't know. Is it because, again, this was, uh, you know, a, the spirit of a nun? She, she only lived amongst other women her entire life. Oh, that's a good point. Ooh, okay. This is written very strangely. Uh, written all in cursive. The, the pen never leaves the wall. It's actually a mix. The, the, the top images there are cursive and some of the bottom ones are, but there's actually block capitals too. And I said that some of it was so joined up you can't make it out. Those ones really creep me out. This is kind of insane scrawlings, completely unintelligible, some of them. Yeah, I do not like them. Like, even the the lines aren't properly spaced. Like, the top of the letters are spilling into the bottom of other letters. Uh, I don't like it. I wish I hadn't seen it. It's pretty unsettling, isn't it? Yeah, I really do not like this. Time to move. <laughs> we tried our best. We had a good the grizzly run. bear's awake. <laughs> get, get out of there. <laughs> Flap those little chicken wings. <laughs> I think it's important to, granted, I appreciate quite late in this case, present you with some physical evidence because we have a lot of paranormal goings-ons here and there was some physical evidence for it, which makes it all the more disturbing. Are, are these messages written with a pen, do they know? Because even that's a little weird, especially if it's done by a spirit. Funny you mention um, it is written uh, with something, something like that, because Harry Price actually started leaving scraps of paper around the house uh, with notes on it, and he would find messages when he came back to the paper. For example, in one, he wrote, What do you want? When he came back hours later, a new word had been written. Rest. Oh, that's at least quite a nice one. Pretty creepy. It wasn't just murder. It's like, ah, shit. <laughs> Die, bitch. <laughs> we shouldn't have given it a voice. <laughs> Leaving bits of paper uh, in your haunted house so the spirit can communicate is like uh, inviting a horrible uh, far-right guest onto your show. It's like, let's just hear what they have to say. You shouldn't. You shouldn't because it's bad. <laughs> Now, it's at this point in the story that things take a left turn that no one was expecting. Marianne admitted to having an affair with the family's lodger. What? There was someone else living in the house, like maybe more than one person also living in the house. I guess it was pretty big. And she was having an affair. I guess affairs happen all the time, but also replicating the drama of what unfolded hundreds of years ago. Damn. She claimed that she'd been using the idea of a ghost to cover up her affair. What? As researcher Amy points out, those bumps in the night took on a whole new meaning. <laughs> yeah. Oh, poor Lionel's like, I heard moaning and moaning and wailing and at 4 a.m. She's like, that's f***ing nuts. Whoa. I heard a voice crying, oh, Marianne. Oh, Marianne. It's like, oh. This are... thing's obsessed with Marianne, bro. 
<laughs> this note just says, Marianne, you so fine, you so fine, you blow my mind. Hey, Marianne. And then it raided your underwear drawer. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> this thing is, is crazy. Who was this lodger? Who was this lodger that was staying with them? So whilst previous people living there had left out of choice, these guys had to leave out of shame. And once again, the rectory was empty. Mm. Now, maybe this building just oozes sin so that mm. even like a reverend and and his uh, a sweet little wife, as soon as they get in there, is just like, oh, cravings and sin, you know? This, this building just promotes an evil presence. It must be some kind of bizarre paranormal dog whistle that just makes you want to bang. Yeah. <laughs> it's also the 1930s and there's nothing else to do. I assume everyone was having sex with each other back then. <laughs> That's what they call it, 1931, the summer of love. <laughs> now, it might sound crazy given that one of his key witnesses has basically said it's bullshit, but Harry didn't give up hope of his paranormal investigations. Because after all, the paranormal history of the building started long before Marianne moved in. It was hard to say what was her and what was real. <laughs> You're like, that being said, Harry was hooking up with Lionel. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> Harry became the next lodger. He spent the next year living on the property and documented every unexplained event that happened to him. He hired 48 staff members to investigate the paranormal. At whose expense? I think he wasn't paying most of them a lot. Okay. They were recording paranormal experiments day and night. This is like a paranormal investigator content house. I can't believe this. Yeah. How have we never covered this story before? Bro, 48? I've been burying the lead, but the Borley Rectory is commonly known as the most haunted house in the UK. Jeez. Well, they must have found some pretty convincing paranormal evidence if there's 48 of them doing the rounds. They found more writing on the wall. On one occasion, it mentioned the word, well... So, and this is where 48 team members come in handy, Harry had the team dig down to the bottom of the historic well on the rectory grounds, where they found bones, part of a human skull and jaw. Harry claimed these were the bones of the dead nun. Whoa. This is pretty cool stuff. Yeah, It's like shit. the nun is trying to communicate with them to get them to dig up her remains. Yeah. After all, she said she wanted rest. That's pretty spooky. He brought in several mediums and had them conduct a long series of seances. In 1938, a medium named Helen Glanville made successful contact with a nun and an unidentified male spirit. I can feel his presence. He's trying to speak to the... The rectory will burn this very year. On the 27th day of March, the rectory will be destroyed. Whoa! <laughs> That's a pretty dramatic <laughs> seance. <laughs> Needless to say, they watched the calendar like a hawk. But the 27th of March, 1938 came and went, and nothing happened. However, on the 27th of February, the next year... The new owner, Captain W.H. Gregson, kicked over an oil lamp and the rectory was completely destroyed by a fire, fulfilling the prophecy. Holy shit. So just a year late? Uh, just under a year late. 
Oh my gosh. Now, sadly, the rectory is, as I say, gone to this day. Uh, the church is there, but the rectory is gone. Um, but the hauntings did continue. Even the people who demolished what little was left claimed to see paranormal activity. There's quite a famous photo of what is allegedly a brick floating in midair on the site. <laughs> what? Okay, come on now. This is not what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a pretty clean and clear picture of a levitating brick. Are you talking about this square? This tiny white blurry square? Mm-hmm. That I don't even know if it is a brick. It's a brick. Trust me, bro. <laughs> uh, it's it basically a picture, not even of a construction site. It just looks like a well, dark it, hallway it, in a building. It's the ruins of the building. Yeah. And, and in a dark hallway, there is... You can't even say it's a brick. It's like a completely... Well, it's the rough size and shape of a brick, to be clear. It's a completely black hallway. Yes. And then... So standing out against the blackness... In is, the middle of it... Quite clearly... Is a white square. Right. So what is it? I don't know. It could be light. Something's it could be a floating. smudge. Something's floating. <laughs> I don't... I couldn't even say that that is definitely a brick. I'm a little skeptical of this evidence. I like the handwritten notes on the wall, but this... I don't know. It's not that convincing. When was this picture taken? I guess 90, early 19... I have the 40s or something. Yeah. Or like the end of the 30s. We're going back a long time. You should be grateful we have a photo. <laughs> Actually, no, I think about it. Rory, that is the history of the Borley Rectory. I appreciate that this case was honestly bigger than I expected even going into it. I appreciate it is something of a journey we took you on. But you can see why it takes some time because there has been, I don't know how many owners we counted of this place, but just how many different people lived in there and all experienced pretty much the same ghostly activities. Then you throw in one of the most reputable paranormal investigators of the day, putting 48 investigators on the, on the case. We have writing on the wall that we saw, incredibly creepy. We have multiple, apparently, human remains found on the site, which seem to match with the ancient story of the nun. Uh, and then, granted, you might not uh, fully believe this image, but allegedly, even <laughs> after the thing was demolished, the activity continued. I think the less we talk about the brick, the better. Okay, we can park the brick if you want to focus on the other bits. Yeah, let's do that. I love the idea of this paranormal investigator being so convinced that this was genuinely paranormal that he hired 48 different investigators to go into this site. He's like, it's, Hell yes. it's worth every penny just to prove <laughs> I to everyone. I can't afford not to. Yeah. A uh, little disappointed that they didn't come up with more physical evidence. You said there was a bit more writing uh, and they found, I mean, bones in the well. That's pretty cool. Granted, old-timey wells, you'd probably struggle to find one that doesn't have bones in the bottom of it. Human bones? I don't know. If it's that old a well. How many people do you think are falling down wells? How old is the well? <laughs> probably a lot, right? Uh, but you're right. It's a, it's a cool story of a paranormal and haunted location <clears throat> that makes sense. It's got a bit of a backstory to it. It's got some lore that um, is consistent throughout the years. And I will concede, I think everyone involved, including me now, uh, was disappointed by the fact that Marianne claims to have potentially um, exaggerated or hoaxed elements of the ghost story. Yeah. It's not helpful, but I 
do on some level believe that it doesn't ruin the story because it starts long before her and ends long after her. Yeah, it annoyingly puts a bit of a sour taste in your mouth because mm-hmm. you're like, you're like, you know, there was a bunch of uh, witnesses who lived here and all said that they saw something strange. One of them was a liar, confirmed liar who said they lied. Yeah. It's like, but the others, they said they're telling the truth. It's a bad sign if you've got one out of six is a confirmed liar. It's true, but I think if we look at the stuff that even happened while they were there, even Marianne couldn't explain some of the floating shit and weird stuff that was happening. Granted, some of the writing, who knows? Sure. Some of the writing was like, Lionel, leave the house tonight. Go <laughs> go see a movie. Take the kids. <laughs> oh dear, poor Lionel, poor son of a bitch. Uh, Rory, at the end of every episode of this Paranormal Life, we do have to decide whether our case today is truly paranormal with a yes or a no. What are you thinking today in the case of the Borley Rectory? I wish this case had happened in the 70s. I wish it had happened in the 80s. I want all of these same events to happen in a more contemporary time period because we have all the ingredients here for a 10 out of 10 paranormal case. But because of the circumstances and the, the basically just the period of time this took place, evidence is smudgy. It is, it is few and far between uh, you know, if you have 48 paranormal investigators in a haunted house that is claiming to be oozing with paranormal slime, we should be able to have a bit more physical evidence to back up a case. What do you want? What do you want? A picture? Any sightings? Is there any other? Well, is uh, there, hey, there's a lot of sightings. There's a lot of sightings. Don't let anyone say there wasn't any sightings. I don't. I don't. See I, I seem to remember the journalist who went to go check it out. It was like, yeah, within ten minutes, I saw a shadowy figure prowling the grounds. Did he? I thought the window. Oh no, he did see. Yeah, he said he, he ran saw over to investigate it, and then some shit fell off the roof. I don't know. I just feel like I feel like when I'm coming down on a yes, I'm, I'm basically filling up a bar of paranormal. And this one was flying at certain parts of the story. And then it kind of dried up. So even though I ended up with, you know, 80, 90% paranormal fuel, I don't know if I can give it the yes this week. It's close. It's genuinely close. But I think this week for me, it's going to be a no, unfortunately. (laughs) You look really hurt. You look really upset about that. So just a reminder, it's not a personal thing. I'm not, you know, it was a great case. Shout out to Amy Grisdale for researching that one. Knocked it out of the park. Kit, you hosting it. 10 out of 10, buddy. I like that voice you did. The one where the thing was burned down. Kind of like a Richard Nixon demons type thing. That was cool. You ever think people I, are right? <laughs> you ever think people are right? I'm sorry. I just needed to stew for a minute. You ever think <laughs> people are right? What question is that? That doesn't even make you sense. You ever think people are right? That, that, that all it. you care about is UFOs, all right? <laughs> I bring to you a 10 out of 10, the most haunted house in all of the UK in history, a ghost case. <laughs> a ghost could come up and, and slap you on the behind and you wouldn't even, you wouldn't even, you wouldn't even give it a yes. For the record, every haunted house says it's the most haunted house. No, well, not this one. <laughs> Harry Price called it that, all right? And his name means I just, a lot, actually. I just found out who he was. So did I. But he's pretty important, allegedly. <laughs> Mad old Harry says it's right. So, uh, 
That said, it's a yes over here, brother. Oh, a, a very rare split. This this really happens on the podcast where it's a yes and a no. Usually, you know, we share that hive mind, that alien brain that we're, we're pretty much usually on the same page. So I'm, I'm a rectory pilled. I'm a rectory. <laughs> I'm a wrecked after this. After pills. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it is a rare disagreement, but um, I can't say I didn't see it coming. Um, this is definitely <laughs> on the line, and I think our listeners themselves will find themselves on uh, either side of that. Yeah, um, maybe we'll throw up a poll or something on our socials to see which way people are falling, either yes or no, to whether or not they believe this is truly paranormal. And I'm not going to show them the brick photo. Thank you so much for <laughs> listening. Of course, thank you to Amy Grisdale for researching and Louis Blatherwick for editing. Guys, whether you think it's really paranormal or not, I hope you enjoy the investigation into the Borley Rectory. Of course, if you can't wait until next week to get your fix of this paranormal life, you know where to go to find more ghost cases, ghoul cases, UFO cases, uh, cases of all description. I'll be honest, some of them aren't even about the paranormal. We just go off on one talking about uh, Rory's family affairs. It's true. The place to get all that is, of course, the This Paranormal Life Erectory. <laughs> There's so much bonus content over there. You're going to get aroused, let Ooh. me tell you. Whew, it is spicy stuff, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, why don't you tell the good listeners of the show some of the spicy content that they can get over on patreon.com. Forward slash This Paranormal Life. We have monthly bonus episodes. We've been doing those for five years. So there is a treasure trove ready for listening. We have a weekly bonus podcast called The After Party, which goes on on Fridays. That is the behind the scenes of This Paranormal Life. Not to mention we have monthly raffles. We have Whoa! a limited edition Night of the Commune coin, a gold coin to prove your membership of This Paranormal Life. Uh, it's an amazing collectible. And not to mention, maybe best of all, on the 20 bucks tier and higher, you can get a shout out right here on the show. Yeah. And higher than that, we, of course, have lewds. We have nudes. We have uh, uh, pictures of our uh, cocks. Um, that's <laughs> on a very high tier. Um, I actually chicken out of that one. So you'll just get two pictures of kits. <laughs> Which is two pictures more than you want, I'll be honest. <laughs> My wife said that. Uh, it's all there, folks, over on Patreon.com. You're going to want to go just to see the coin. Honestly, just to see the coin. What was that Batman movie? Who's that motherfucker? Two-Face? Yeah. Who, who like, he, uh, I don't know my Batman lore very well, but doesn't he flick a coin and makes decisions based on the outcome of the coin? Yeah, I think you're right. This is the perfect kind of decision-making coin. It is huge, thick, made of real gold and silver, and uh, has two sides. One, the triangle with the classic TPL icons, Bigfoot, UFO, and a ghost, mm -hmm. aka the paranormal side. And the other side, the shield of the commune, mm -hmm. not paranormal. So if you need to make a decision on whether or not you think something's paranormal, flip your coin, flip your commune coin. And that's honestly as good as using any high-tech paranormal hunting equipment. We should have done it for the end of this episode, actually. <laughs> like I say, you can get a shout-out at the end of an episode, so let's jump into them right now. Thanks to Glenn Shields. Glenn, sometimes you gotta lower your shields and let people in. That's the only way that you'll ever form a connection with a human, so lower the shields, lower them down. Are they gone? 
Give me your wallet. <laughs> Whoa. G- give me your wallet, bud. Now your shield's oh, you gone. How are you going to stop me? Fair. Thanks to Kieran Kevlar Brooks. Wow, Kieran is made of Kevlar. Man, you can lower your defenses too, man. You don't got to be bulletproof all the time. Take, yeah. off, the, take off the bulletproof vest. Yeah. Just take it off. Just, is it gone? Just for a second. Is it off? Give me your keys. <laughs> Whoa. Give me your keys. I'm taking your car and we're, I'm getting out of here. This is a lot. Thanks to our friendly local cryptid. You know, it really makes sense and it's good to know that all cryptids aren't trying to either murder villagers in the Middle Ages or, you know, trying to uh, elude human attention for all of eternity. Some cryptids just want to give back to their community. Just yeah. live side by side with humans and we got to respect that. Spider-Man style, maybe solve a few crimes. And sure, if a sheep gets killed in the process, that's fine. You're a cryptid is what happens. Comes with the territory. Thank you to Lee Clark. Lee Clark's bark is worse than his fight. Because <laughs> this guy, he yells like a f- Viking warrior before running into a fight, but once he gets there, he really doesn't even know how to throw a punch. So you're, right, you're right, fine. right. Uh, that's a skill in its own. You know, being loud and ferocious. Sometimes if you're that loud, you don't need to learn how to fight because no one's ever gonna do it. Thanks to Zan Acker for six ninety nine, you can get Zan Acker's dad tracker. Is your dad missing? Did he go out for a pack of smokes 15 years ago and not come back? Well, now you can find him thanks to the dad tracker. That's weirdly kind of amazing if that works. It's not a piece of technology. It's just a man you pay to hunt your dad down. Okay, so a private investigator? More or less, yeah. Thanks to Lisa De Luigi. Lisa De Luigi is nice with a squeegee. What's a squeegee? You know the thing you clean a window with? It's crazy. She can clean a window with no streaks, no marks. Uh, It's looking absolutely spotless. It's quite a skill in itself. Oh, okay. Unfortunately, it sucks to say, but uh, one of her last jobs was actually at the Borley Rectory and mid-squeegee. Oh, no. Oh, a 10-foot pane of glass fell out with her still hanging on to it. Oh, shit. Yeah. Uh Uh-oh. Another ghost has joined the hauntings. (laughs) Thanks to Asher Holland. Asher Holland will give you cash for pollen. It's a bee. <laughs> Just so that we're clear. Jesus. Asher is not quite a not quite a human. It's 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 a bee. Uh, Where I, do they get cash from? I don't know. Well, it's got enough honey. It's got enough honey in the hive. Yes, if you work backwards, you could get cash for that. But go on then. Thank you for the support. Thanks to Violet. If it isn't Violent Violet, someone who always has at least seven knives and five shields on her. And Violet, it's time to drop the knives. It's time to lower the shields. Relax, unwind. Yeah, and while you're at it, Give me your phone. <laughs> Give me your phone and oh, your no. keys. No, you can't take from our patrons like this. And I'll actually take it. Oh, oh, she still had one. She still had a knife. She is violent. <sighs> Thanks to Haley Jackson. Well, if it isn't Haley Jack, the running back. Much like our friend earlier, her bark really is worse than her football skills. Oh, right. I don't know how they became a football player. Big talk in the locker room, hyping up the whole team, and then first play fumbles the ball and is broken like glass at the first tackle. It's just like be a coach, or like if you know the game that intricately and could talk a big game, like be a commentator. Yeah, don't, don't tank the team. <laughs> 
Don't say in the locker rooms, give me the ball. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it from here. If you know you're made of glass. <laughs> you know what the play is? Y'all get out of my f***ing way. Then <laughs> <laughs> fumble it. Because the problem is the opposing team didn't hear the speech. So they're unfazed. And they're going to get you. Thanks to Ian Hunter. Ian Hunter. Uh, one of the many, many employees at dadtracker.com. That's right. Mr. Hunter will find your pop. Okay, well, don't harm him. Dead or alive. No. As in, he'll find him whether your dad's dead or alive. Jesus Christ. He's not going to kill him. Thanks to Andreas Madsen. Andreas is one mad son. Uh, they... I've been looking for their dad for a long time, so they are really in need of this service. I can't, I can't stress how much in handy this is going to come. I'm, t- this is a lucrative business right here. You know, we've we've known many fathers who have gotten lost over the years just in the process of working for the dad squad. Uh, so this could be a booming industry right here. And lastly, but not leastly, today, thank you to Kevin Gaddy. Kevin Gaddy, where's your daddy? <laughs> Do you know? Do you know where he is? Are you sure? Or you think he's at home, <laughs> but you never but know. You don't know. This is the point. And for the small price of one hundred and fifty nine thousand ninety nine, we can find him. <laughs> well, okay, I dead or alive. I didn't know the price point. At that price, we have to change the slogan. All right, but for the record, if you want alive, it's going to cost you. It costs extra. It shouldn't. <laughs> So thank you to everyone who supported us on Patreon. Uh, We will, of course, be back with shoutouts next week. And on Tuesday, we'll be back with a brand new Paranormal Case. Make sure to tune in then. And in the meantime, remember to live fast, investigate, and die Die young, baby. baby!